Now notice the language of this word, present. It, it's in a tense that means once and for all. Once and for all. And what he's saying is this, you come to the place where once and for all you do it. He's not talking about rededication. He's not talking about what you do at Falls Creek and rededication. You see, the problem with rededication is most of the time we rededicate what we've never dedicated. It's the, it's the once and for all commitment of your life to Him. And you'll never win victory over the devil until you make those kind of commitments once and for all. For example, if you decide whether or not you're going to go to church on Sunday or not on the basis of what happens on Saturday night, you'll never come to church consistently on Sunday. I mean, you know, Aunt Bess comes in and so, well, I don't know whether we ought to go away and leave Aunt Bess or not. She didn't bring his Sunday clothes. Well, we'll just stay home and watch on TV. Or, you know, it's raining on Sunday morning and you don't want to risk your life and get out in that rain, you know. So, yeah, well, honey, you think we ought to go to church today? And, well, what do you think? You know, that kind of stuff. Look, at, Listen to me, young people. If you choose, if you make a decision on what you're going to do with your body, at the time that decision has to be made, time after time after time, under the pressures that come when you're young, if you make a decision whether or not you're going to keep your body pure and wholesome, at the time that decision has to be made, you will not stay pure and holy, wholesome very long. It's a once and for all commitment. Remember when you were a kid, they used to use those oscillating fans, you know, that go back and forth. They called them oscillating fans because they oscillated, you know. That's why they named them that. And the only problem with an oscillating fan was that it's always blowing over here. You ever notice that? I mean, you're sitting over here just sweating and burning down, and all the air is over there. And, you, and I'm sure that you've, from time to time, wanted to de-oscillate one of those oscillating fans. Just let it blow out on you. I'm sure that's the way God feels about the commitments you and I make. And that's why Elijah stood on Mount Carmel and said, How long are you going to oscillate? If the Lord is God, follow Him once and for all. If He's Baal, once and for all, give your life to Him. But once and for all, make a commitment. See, There's presentation. And there's transformation. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. That word is it's, it, it's the, it's metamorphosis, transformation, metamorphosis. And it... It refers to that act by which the, the caterpillar becomes a beautiful butterfly. You, you've seen that, where that ugly worm is transformed into a butterfly. And it's the same word that's used for the transfiguration of Jesus. And he stood out on that mountain and that glory which was inherent within him just burst out of that veil of flesh and his glory shined there. They, couldn't hardly, they could hardly stand it, it was so wonderful. And what he's saying is this, be not conformed, that's a negative, but be transformed. This glory that is ours because of our union with Christ ought to shine in life. Now how does that happen? How's that transformation, that metamorphosis take place? Well listen, it says, be transformed by the great spiritual experience you have. No, that's not what it's saying. That's what we think. Now watch this. We come to church on Sunday morning hoping against hope that the preacher will preach a good enough sermon that I'll be changed. Isn't that it? I mean, put all the responsibility on... Man, if the preacher just preaches a great sermon this morning and the song service is just great enough, just great enough, 
Maybe somehow a little angel, you've seen the commercials, a little angel will fly down, he has a little wand, and he'll touch me and I'll just glitter. You know. And if, and if the preacher, just, if he's just right on today and the singing is just great, then I'll just have these goosebumps just do leapfrog over goosebumps on my spine and I'll just glitter when I leave, I'll just be so transformed. Doesn't work that way. It's transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now watch this. You take a New Testament and you do a study of the word mind in the New Testament and you'll find that your spiritual life is affected more by your mind than by your heart. Amazing. You'll find that your spiritual life is affected more by your thought life, by your thought life, than by anything else. And so it's transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now what does that mean? Well, all of life, we're programmed like a computer. Our mind is. Now, I don't know too much about computers, but I've asked some people what, you know, about them, and they've tried, tried to explain computers. I know this is a simplistic illustration of a computer, but it's kind of like this, that, that if you, you, got a, you want a decision, you want an answer, you take all this information, you take all this data, and you feed it into the computer, and the computer computes and gives you an, a decision, gives you an answer. And the answer, the decision that the computer makes is based upon the information it's fed, right? Isn't that kind of the way it works? So that if you give the computer inaccurate, inadequate, inappropriate information, it's going to give inaccurate, inadequate, inappropriate decision, right? It's what they call garbage in, garbage out. You put the wrong information or inadequate information into the computer, that's garbage, that's what you get back, that's the problem. So that the weakness of a computer is that it's at the mercy of the information it has received. Now, let me see if I can illustrate that from biblical history. The Twelve spies went over into the land of Canaan to spy it out, and God had already given them that land, said you just put your foot on it and it's yours, and so they went over there to check it out. And they came back, and, 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 and this was a report, we better not try it. And ten of those spies were thinking like this. Now, this was the information they had. Grasshoppers can't beat giants. Giants smash grasshoppers, so we better stay out of grasshopper, better stay out of giant territory. Mm-mm, don't try it in there. See? And they got this, they came to this decision because of inaccurate inadequate information. There were two other spies, however, that said, let's take it because they had this additional information. Our God is able. And they're the ones that took it. See what I'm saying? And you remember Simon Peter at Caesarea Philippi and, and Jesus, he just told Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you. You know, we talked about that last Sunday. The next breath, Jesus said, I'm going up to Jerusalem to die. And Peter said, oh, no, Lord, don't do that. And, and Jesus turned to Simon and said, if you've got a King James, he said, Simon, you are, you, thou savorest the things that be of man and not of God. Thou savorest. I like the translation that has it like this. Simon, you think like a man. The only information you have, the decision you've come to is based upon inaccurate, inappropriate information. Now you remember in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, Simon Peter, he's so, he's so prejudiced. 
And Jesus, God needs somebody to preach to this Gentile and he wants Peter to do it, but he's so present he wouldn't dare preach to the Gentiles. So he goes up on top of this house and after lunch, he, he takes a nap. And while he's taking a nap, God lets down this sheet. And from the Levitical law, he has all these unclean animals in there. Unclean for the Jews to eat. And God says to Simon, take and eat. And Simon says, no way, I'm not about to touch that. It's unclean. And God says, watch this, God says, whatever I have cleansed, don't you call unclean. And about that time, somebody was knocking at the door downstairs, woke Simon up, and these guys said, our master, Cornelius, a devout Gentile, wants somebody to preach the gospel to him. And Simon Peter said, well, you're not going to believe this. You'll never believe this. But just a while ago, I had this dream that whatever God cleanses is not to be called. I'll go preach to him. I'll go, I'll go tell him the gospel. You know what was happening? God was giving Simon Peter that additional information that he didn't have before. And he was giving him that, it, that perspective on, on the gospel that he himself had. And all of a sudden, Simon began to see things from God's perspective. And there was this transformation of his life as the result of it. Now listen to me. Where do you get that? Where do you get that additional information? You get it right here. Are you listening? Some people tell me, they'll say, Pastor, I don't read the Bible because I don't understand the Bible. Well, who does? I dare anybody here this morning to stand up and say, I understand everything in this book. You don't have to understand the Bible to read the Bible. And the amazing thing about the Bible is, the Word of God is, it has in itself a uniqueness, a power, so that you take this into your mind and all of a sudden there begins to be the renewing of your mind and the transformation as the result of that renewal. Are you listening? Are you hearing that? Presentation plus transformation equal revelation. I need to say two or three suggestions about how, how to discover the revelation. You, I need you to get these and then we're through. First of all, there's desire. Now somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, what do you think I ought to do? I don't know what I ought to do about a certain thing. I say, what do you want to do? They say, well, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I say, well, what do you want to do? You see, somehow, you ever notice that? Where did we get that idea? Let me give you two choices this morning. Choices was difficult. One of those choices was easy. The other was more difficult. Well, the other was undesirable, a little bit more undesirable. One of those choices was a piece you to know how many people would answer that the latter is the will of God. If there is something that's appealing or attractive to me, desirable to me, desires and God's will run parallel. Let's see if that doesn't work. I mean, how does God get us to eat? He makes us hungry. You're already hungry. How do you, how do, why, what is the desire for marriage? And you study that Genesis account in the garden. He was still lonely and unfulfilled because he didn't have a, a man. He gave him a desire for a companion, so he got married. Why all night, you know, with a screaming kid and changed diapers? I mean, is that his diapers and and stay up all night with kids? Why, why, do you, why do couples have kids? Because childless women say to me, I, my arms ache for a child. 
I long for one. I've had a woman, I had a woman tell me a preacher's wife one time, couldn't have children. Think about it, every waking moment, I want a kid so bad I can taste it, I want one. If we act through our desires in every way, we come to the spiritual life and we say, no, listen, if God wants you to go to Africa, He'll give you a desire to go. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher, what about Nineveh? What about Jonah going to Nineveh? God wanted him, well, he was. You place your life at God's disposal. You transfer the control of your life over. Second thing. You see, sometimes you might have a desire and not have an opportunity. How can... I know a couple who wanted to go to the mission field. They didn't care where God sent them. They'd go to, they just wanted to be missionaries. They didn't care where. And they applied twice in the foreign mission board and returned. It was an unsanctified desire. So if I have a desire and I if I'm yielded my life, if I've yielded my life up to God and I've, I'm in the process, stop me if it's not what you want. I'm just going to keep on going until you make a mistake. I heard Rhonda tell his testimony. I mean, just just overlook the ocean. I want it for steel pastures. He said, and so they called him one day and they said, why don't you just take a vacation? He said, I went down there to preach and he said, it was just wonderful. He said, I just fell in love with those people. Said, and you say that you don't think God will ever want you to be our pastor? He said, no, I can't. Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to call you and you give us an answer. He said, during that week, he said, I got to do it only if you want us to do it and if, if you don't want us to do it, we're going to trust you to close the door. They, they, they chatted a little bit. After a while, he said, oh, the guy's name was Jim. Jim was pause, and they said, Ron, you know, Ron, you still there? And he said, he said, I had minutes, they called him, phone rang, he answered the phone, they said, okay, Jim, what's the answer? He said, I started to say, he said, folks, if you desire and you have an opportunity, let me tell you, that's not easy, is it? Many of you this morning are experiencing the transformation of your life. Only those who can answer in the positive are those people who are living their life on the basis of what God wants them to do. Isn't that amazing? And the rest of us are living in sin. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, We know you're present in this place. We know that you're tired of our oscillating between yes and no, for and against. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, give us the courage to commit once and for all to do your will. When we say that, Lord, we think immediately of those things yet unyielded, yet to be placed at your disposal, yet to be yielded. Oh, Lord God, give us grace and courage to do it. For Jesus' sake. Now look here, please, in the spirit of prayer. There's some of us this morning who have never given 
our lives to Jesus Christ. The will of God is, not, is that not any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will for you today is that you be saved. He wants you to give your heart and life to Jesus. Once and for all, let Him take care of your eternal destiny. Would you come this morning, placing your faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone? There's some this morning who need to come, like the early service, to place your life in the church. And you felt for several days that God has led you to do it. You've been praying about it. You've been talking to others. You have a desire and an opportunity. But oh, there's some of you here this morning who have never once and for all committed your life to the will of God. Some of you are being called to preach. Some of you are being called to be missionaries. Some of you are just being called to lay down your life, place it at God's disposal, transfer the control over to Him, young people and adults. Let's do it today. We're praying you will on the first word of our invitation while we stand to sing it.